Hello and welcome to the Space Cave, a big warg to all of you. And a couple points of interest, I guess. The junk show's back June 9th. We took May off because it was Mother's Day and no one ever comes out on Mother's Day. Although one year on Mother's Day, Chadwick Boseman was there. Black Panther himself. This was before the franchise, obviously. But you never know who's going to be there. So if you're in Los Angeles, it's always the second Sunday of every month. Stephen Yates tweeted at me recently, hey, what's the schedule for 2019? It's always the second Sunday. I'll, I'll put the schedule on the, the website. I apologize that it's still showing the 2016 schedule, evidently. I don't stay up on that website all that much. There's too much stuff, too many things. You got to have anything you're doing has got to have like a website and an Instagram and a Twitter and all this. It's, it's too much stuff. So I, I don't know how to pare that down and make it all one thing, but I'll work on that. But if you need a reference, it's always the second Sunday of every month. Um, and I'll be doing some stand-up shows later in the summer, Austin, Minneapolis, Sacramento, Portland, maybe Denver. Keep your eyes peeled. There'll be a handful of places. I'll post those at davidhuntsberger.com. Okay. Uh, this is a returning guest, good friend of mine. And since we last spoke with him, he's now entered into a PhD program at Brandeis University near Boston. And he's just a wealth of information, really fascinating dude to talk with. As a precursor, I don't want to give too much away, but this is the closest I feel like this show gets to a lot of contemporary conversations, American politics, the state of things, etc. But I feel like it's um, uh, sort of textured, I guess, with historical input, which is what he um, is just a wizard at. He's really, really knowledgeable. But if you if you had enough of those conversations and the news and whatever else, may, this might not be your favorite episode. But I hope you like it. I think it's worthwhile. We have some Day of the Dead Porter from Day of the Dead Brewing. This is um, more chatting with Eric Krug. Enjoy. All right. I, I meant to Google if I've had this on the show before. I think I've had, I've maybe had this beer or I've seen it. I know I've seen it. And either thought, I gotta get that on the show or have that in my life at some point, or it perhaps has been on the show already, and then I feel bad. But after so many recordings and so many beers, and uh, like I was in Wisconsin a while ago, and so every place in the world has like 10 local breweries now. Yeah. So then you try two or three from each brewery through, over the course of a week. That's a lot of different beers. Then you're like, have I had that? And this one... There yeah, there can't be enough beers for every episode, right? I mean, how many beers in the world are there? <laughs> There's plenty for every episode, but sourcing them here in LA... Like, I would have to either reach out to those breweries and either try to, like, lug some of it back with me, which is tough when I usually just travel with carry-ons, or have them ship it to me. Most breweries are reluctant to, like, go through all that, 
like packaging and shipping beer. It's yeah. expensive. It's happened. People have. And sent you it asked to for me. one bottle for the episode. You're just like, yeah, can you just ship me one bottle? <laughs> the few times it's happened, they'll be like, yeah, I'll just send you a mix. And I go, that's awesome. And then they've sent you know like six bombers or something like yeah. that. So that's the best. And shout out to Indian Wells who did the best at that of everybody. They're such a cool brewery in. Uh, I don't know if you'd call it northern, central California, central desert, <laughs> southern Sierras, southern Inyo, Mono County. I don't know, I, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> These are words. These are California is mean, a big state, is what we're saying. Yeah, and this is the part no one knows. Right, and I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm wasting time here. <laughs> that sounded pretty good. That was mine. Okay. Handing oh, you the oh, thing. Oh no, up. I got a I got a sound cooler. Is that that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> this is Cerveza de los Muertos. And if you haven't seen Coco, the Pixar film, go see it. Have you seen no, it? No, I've not seen it's it. It's phenomenal. I don't even know about it. I don't know about what? I don't know about stuff anymore. Like Have I don't you seen really know Arctic? Come on, man. <laughs> it's as good as it gets. Arctic is phenomenal and uh every movie should be like Arctic, I think. I'm sick of all these superhero movies. I'm sick of all the guns. Yeah. I just want some I still love guns. You do? <laughs> I still love the guns. I, I knew you loved the guns a lot. <laughs> Mostly I, in movies, though, if I'm going to be honest. Getting a little sick of guns in real life, if see, you know See, I think I mean. they go hand in hand. I think that I think we're, we're making it seem cool. Hollywood has the most people that tweet and rampage against, like, <laughs> that is gun a, ownership. That is a true hypocrisy. It's ridiculous. Of, they, for Hollywood to be like... <laughs> Come on, guys. Cool it with your guns. Anyway, page two takes out his arsenal and prepares yeah. to be like come on but like john wick 3 is opening this weekend i'm ready yeah. i'm totally into it most people i know at least the dudes are excited for john wick and i feel oh, like yeah. it's developing the stigma where it's similar to liking the band rush no problems <laughs> with rush i like rush but to get way 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 too into it is the equivalent of really liking john wick and it's too it's too fake butch to me well it's for me it's just that i have to have things to still be excited for but i know it's not as great as like like game of, for- like i got still got psyched for game of thrones i knew this last season was gonna suck yeah and i'm I, it's actually turned out to be a lot worse than i thought it would be <laughs> and it seems like some people are joining my uh my bandwagon i they said an on i don't see why they needed to end it so quickly it was going on at such a snail's pace. i understand the the budget is enormous but i just thought it was because martin dropped the ball like it like I was telling a friend of mine, it's kind of like if like I wanted to promote Einstein's theory of relativity while he's working on it. And I'm like, hey, guys, you got to check out this theory of relativity thing. It's going to be big. And and then halfway through, Einstein got tired and was like, man, I'm sick of this. You finish it. And I'm just like, but I don't know so science. The devil's advocate there. Einstein had a math guy. So he was an, an idea guy. He was kind of the Steve Jobs. And he had a Wozniak. Is that right? Is that Woz? Yeah, Woz. Yeah, well, that was, yeah. And Wozniak. he, so Einstein had a similar sort of dude who would just do the long form, like jam it out, hard calculus. And then uh, his first wife, I believe, was also very good at that as well. And there is like some, um, there's some stuff I, I feel like people that have conspiracy theories and think that she was really oh, yeah. not the genius, but a genius. And she was dwarfed by his like. Enormity. Well, that happens. There's a lot of like women that seem to get shortchanged, but it's, you know, it's always hard to tell, like, are they getting totally shortchanged or were they, you know, significant, but not necessarily pivotal. And yeah. But the, I'm trying to remember the whole, the, um, the people that 
did the DNA strand with it. What was that? Oh names? yeah, Crick and uh, what's his yeah, name? Yeah, Rosalind yeah. Russell was Ros- the, yeah, yeah. She yeah. And late and that's where I feel like justice happens, where she comes back into the forefront yeah. later in life, where people now are like, yeah. she was kick ass. Like she, and not to discredit those guys, because she essentially I think discovered. The, the existence of it that it was like yeah. provable and discoverable and then they discovered the double helix thing yeah the double helix that's what it was yeah i things i've noticed i i like science and economic history more than i used to mm-hmm. uh, or well i should just say i just didn't think it would be for me and then i'm actually like oh this is actually really interesting but i don't feel it's my forte and i feel like i really can get a handle on it when i'm reading about it in the moment mm-hmm. but if you ask me just six months later i've forgotten everything I've, yeah, that's what this show is, is me going, whoa, and then learning it two months later, whoa, <laughs> I, it just sifts right through my head. But I like in the moment, like, this, ti- it's like a sieve. The mm-hmm. top layers of the sieve are just giant holes. Down there at the bottom where it's kind of silky, and that fine layer that sits on there. Like, some people cruise along, and they have all the big rocks, and they have all the layers. And I just have the bottom, like, oh, yeah, I think... Like the Rosalind Russell thing. There's yeah. so much more to it than that. Yeah. And then I'll read an article about like this woman who won a Nobel Prize because, and she just on a truck that was hauling chickens started cracking open eggs and looking at them and then went into a lab and started discovering like cellular properties of. I always have these fantasies that I'm going to do something like that <laughs> and it never happens. For years, I'm like, one of these days, I'm just going to be reading over, like right now, I'm trying to read more about the economic history of the Great Depression because it's just like the chapter I got to in my book, so I'm trying to take more time on it. Yeah. But I'm like, somewhere in this text, I'm going to suddenly realize how you stop busts and booms and busts and I'm going to be the guy that figures it <laughs> oh, out. Oh, yeah. Be like some guy who wasn't even an economist figured out what they've been trying to do for centuries. But we uh, that seems like a nightmare because then it'd be the equivalent of knowing the answer to the world and trying to scream it from rooftops and people go shut up man we're trying to eat lunch here yeah what if there's a guy who already did it and everybody's just like shut the hell up the people with like bullhorns we don't i mean they usually have like a christ <laughs> sign <laughs> but if a guy had a whole bunch of numbers and equations that would be equally as like off-putting like whoa that guy's lost his mind like, no this is the answer no, i don't know i don't not go to twitter i don't know how to get this out in the world people just honking at him make a shorter sign <laughs> Well, so let's get right into it then, because last time a little more, uh, hey man, how you doing? Catch it up on what you're studying, but then you came in, first of all, watch Coco, watch, watch Arctic, Coco and Arctic, and game of, to tie up that thing about Game of Thrones, cruising along at a nice slow pace, and if the theory of relativity is a math problem where a mathematician can go, oh, I can see where you're going. They can get pretty close. They can get yeah. to like, and at least check in with the still living originator of it and goes, is this what you had in mind? And yeah. then that person can say, no. But I think just for whatever reason when they had to go, let's wrap it up real quick. The actors are getting older. They got other projects. We're sick of this. It's yeah. freezing wherever we shoot. Let's just get it done with. And then the... Because this season is technically the second half of one season that took right. a, well, a huge I, I, break. I hate these half season things. It's, it's really it's just a way for them to make more money, like stretch yeah. it out. So, yeah. and it's not the right way to do storytelling. You should have continuity if you can. But anyone that watched the first half of this shortened two season, whatever you call it, and thought, "Well, the second half is going to be great," was really kidding themselves. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean the the Mission Beyond the Wall episode was when I was well, like, don't spoil a, anything. Oh, that's right. But it, well, that's all I'll say. But yeah, it's. 
And it is, but it, I enjoy talking about it though, because, you know, obviously I enjoy history, but there's only like so many people who are as into history as I am, but everybody's into Game of Thrones. So it's a time for me to be the same kind of nerd yeah. over something else. I ju- the only thing I want is the world right now feels like bad guys are just having their heyday in the real world. Mm-hmm. And people feel like, is this reality? Is this real? Have all these people that I knew growing up with that were just kind of like, oh, I don't get that into politics, are now suddenly behind someone who is diametrically opposed to who they are as a person. Yeah. That that to me just feels like, I need in the show the good guy to win. I need yeah. one well, of the I, good guys to win. I've been telling, see, I guess this would be a spoiler, but... There was a certain character who's taken a turn to bad that most people thought was very forced, and I had actually been predicting that from like season one. Most people, and I think that I gotten the impression that George R. R. Martin had kind of planned that, and that the reason everybody's upset is because the writers of the show have done a really poor job of getting us to this point. Not that I think the plot line is off. I think the way they got us to the plot right. line is off. Yeah, I, uh, I've talked to a number of people that thought like. They have said that openly. Like all along, that character has been this. Oh, this is so dumb. There are, two, there are plenty of Game of Thrones podcasts, but yes, yeah. they basically had this nice slow boiling thing. Well, it's like when you're cooking and then you go, oh, it's not hot enough, and you just crank all the burners up and burn the hell out of everything. Like you had it. It was it, simmering nicely. You know, you actually bring up a good point, though. So, so we don't just end up making this a Game of Thrones podcast, <laughs> but like this idea of I need the good guy to win in fiction, like. I don't know how I feel about people trying too hard to... I mean, they did this... I, get, I tell a lot of people that I feel like today is a lot like 2004 for me with George W. Bush. And, and it's in a weird way, too, I'm almost like more annoyed by it because it's like, I understand because I'm as pissed off about it, too. But at least in 2004, people were mad about a war. <laughs> it was a war. And people yeah. are more mad today over a doofus yeah and i'm just like you know the war killed a lot more people you okay. probably should have been mad back then did it though in the long term because you got a supreme court now that is i mean the amount and the thing that just happened in alabama so let's get into like i don't know how much you want to talk about roe v wade or your own political stance i like, you said I you like talking to... politi- politics and history okay, so just, either one's fine okay. with me and i've been kind of getting i took like last year off a little bit mm-hmm. up until about the midterm actually it was the kavanaugh hearing which i probably won't want to talk about because <laughs> i feel like that's but it was like I felt like that was kind of a big shift where I was like, oh, we've just like taken this conflict to a new level. It's like I thought the Kavanaugh one. thing was where both sides just kind of went absolutely nuts on each other, and they're not coming back. Like I don't think I don't I have a hard time envisioning a way this ends without conflict. I, was I really on do. A fl- yeah, I mean that that Coast Guard guy who got arrested and the, you know the, I don't think I heard about that one. Oh, there's so God. many things you yeah. can't hear about them. This all. Is, he was like a captain, it's insane. and he got caught. Uh, I don't know how many guns he owned, but he basically got caught. He was Googling the addresses of like Nancy Pelosi and a bunch of different senators and going on chat room sites and that were most of them like white supremacist sites and saying, uh, I want to kill everyone. And like, when's this race war going to start and where does so-and-so yeah. live? And then, so his search history started popping up like, this is a little alarming. And then he was, I think selling drugs and yeah, that's why sometimes like, you know, people like Snowden showed us that they're watching us. I'm like, eh, they might need to watch us. <laughs> There's a couple of people they kind of need to watch all the, yeah, I mean, do you, would you read many like dystopian novels and stuff? No, I mostly just read nonfiction if I because I'm I'm kind of a slow reader. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like to read, but I'm a slow reader, so I try to just stick in the because yeah. I th- I've always said that I think the reason I'm such a film buff is because I can waste two hours on a film, but I can't waste like a whole month on a book. <laughs> but it, w- however you get it, though, even like the Lego Movie, which a lot of people had criticized because they said it was. 
there's a book called we i believe we that mm-hmm. was very dystopian that like predated and the the historical list of dystopian novels pre like a brave new world certainly before like 1984 is extensive so people have had these thoughts for a long time that society will get to this place where and i i think about that with the or to finish that sentence society society will get to a place where like you have the snowden dichotomy where some people go yeah. like they shouldn't this government shouldn't be doing that the other side is like remember when serial killers could just roam the country because we didn't really have the fbi we yeah really, we been, need that yeah because i've been re-watching deadwood because the movie's coming out and this was just like a random thought i had watching the show but i was like there probably was a lot more murder back then than we know about i think about that all the time and because I think there's I, no like like in the show you uh, you have so many moments where they have to just like murder somebody they feed them to the pigs and then you're done with it and it's like yeah that it was probably pretty easy to murder somebody and have nobody ask questions, you know, you're, especially in the frontier where it's just like, yeah, I died of dysentery. It's like, that makes sense. All right, cool. <laughs> we're not going to look into this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, luckily back then they were a little more attuned to the, the trails were, you didn't just wander off. You kind of stayed on like, Oh, other, I see other horse hoof prints here. Yeah. I'm going to follow this. I'm just trail. saying if two guys are alone in the woods no, and no, one no. of them gets that's, an idea, that's what I'm saying. Like you're riding along and you, you are one of these two people. You're either the campfire and you hear something in the distance or you're on a horse and you see a little light in the distance. The feeling of fear where you're like, I want to put my hand a little closer to my gun here. <laughs> and then you just either get shot out of the blue or attacked or, and then <laughs> that person owns a shovel. That's really all. They don't need bleach. <laughs> they don't need anything. They just drag you away. And the best hope you have is that someone comes along that can like feel the hoof print indentation and know like this was yesterday and this horse was this big and then oh he dragged him over here see these tra- dra- there you can see his boots he dragged him oh there's a hole that's where someone's been buried dig that up hey that's john joseph someone <laughs> murdered him and then they get to town and they find a horse Who, whose horse is this this is about the right size that would leave those marks and that was like forensics back then so maybe there wasn't as much murder but likely no one ever found joe joseph he just died there and everyone went, what happened to that guy i don't know yeah I don't know. he probably laughed out for another place people do that <laughs> people do that people hey have do you noticed that. this new guy cliff has a lot of new gear <laughs> a lot of it resembles joe's old gear <laughs> it really does anyway what's what are you guys gonna eat for lunch <laughs> yeah that level of murder we're like i think the bigger the population gets come on you gotta be you gotta so the dna stuff worries me and i i joke about this where like i like the idea of not people my dna not being on record just because i like yeah. the opportunity to one day be a serial killer. I don't like the killing, <laughs> but I like the cat and mouse game. You that like seems the, fun. You like the freedom, you, you know, to make your own choice. <laughs> no, no, no. Your career I, choices are I yours. I like the, like, contacting the newspaper and, like, that sort of thing. <laughs> that just seemed like they were having a lot of fun. The idea of, like, harming anyone, terrible. I wouldn't want to do that. But I don't like... So what I think about with the 23 in me is they get everyone to willingly yeah. enter into, like, codex, basically. Yeah. I, and, and, I'll, then, and I'll admit I've done it. So now you're in the system that they go, that's not a system. We're not going to use it. We have facial recognition through Facebook that everyone entered into willingly. Yeah. And then you can just blankly clicked on like, yeah, I agree to the terms. Let me see these photos. And then, then now you'll be tagged in someone's photo that you don't even know and get a message like, hey, is this photo of you? And that's so creepy. Like, yeah. you just saw my, I don't even look the same. I'm wearing a hat. I have sunglasses <laughs> on. I didn't know that's me. Yeah. So now you're in Codex. You are just on a vacation. You touch a railing in Fiji. You're in the middle of nowhere. But little did you know, there's a DNA receptor on that railing. It just alerts the system. And now there's no way to get away from it all. Yeah. That's what bothers me. It's not the serial killer thing's a jokey thing. But that bothers me. 
Well, I I don't know. I'm, I mean, it's a mixed bag. I feel I'm kind of just like sort of at a loss now because I was one of those people who thought the internet was going to open minds, you know, because like, <laughs> I, I, again, a lot of comparisons today with the, the World War II, World War One era. And uh, I thought like, oh, yeah, the way they state could just control all the propaganda like they can't do that anymore. Now with the Internet, information is free. We're all liberated. <laughs> but it didn't work out that way at all. People just like actually I feel like people started getting really conspiratorial and getting locked into propaganda once the Internet showed up. Like they just found alternate ways. Yeah. But that was the weird thing. They propagandized themselves. And I was like, I didn't see that coming. I thought you had to have somebody else do it to you. <laughs> and then and then also social media. I was like, oh, people are going to dialogue with one another. But I feel like the situation has gotten to where only the craziest people dialogue with each other. And it's actually giving us a skewed view of what because I feel like when I have one on one conversations with people, it's always much more moderate, whether I'm talking to a conservative or a liberal. Yeah. And th- but those are the kind of people I want to hang out with. I don't want to hang out with like the nuts I see on social media. Yeah. But I feel like so you, you get on you get like a Facebook war on uh, comment war. And that's just like those are the kind of people that like doing that. Everybody else, though, that's like sort of sane and wants to have an intelligent conversation. They don't want to participate in that. So you're not really right. hearing from them. Yeah. So I think it's so it's sort of scared off anybody who having the dialogue would have been good for and it's really given a forum to all the people that we kind of thought were a minority but it's turning out there there's a lot more of them than we thought <laughs> and there's enough of them to elect a president. Emily Rose studied communications and one day she was reading me this thing and it was so eloquent and succinct and just like, you know, the the mass um sort of uh, opportunity this is butchering it completely but this, this sentiment was essentially like you know the the mass opportunity for media to be so, you to be selective within it people won't educate themselves or inundate themselves with every angle they will just burrow into the niche that suits them best that reinforces their beliefs yeah and I obviously had- that's happened again over and she read that and I go who wrote that she goes oh it was me like in college (laughs) that blew my mind H.G. Wells wrote The Time Machine and in the foreword to that book he's like I thought the advent of basically like the printing press and people having access to libraries and books would create a more well-informed and um, high-minded society and instead it had the exact opposite this is before the internet he was just like well that's that, that gives me some confidence in the sense that I, I kind of see these trends just sort of replaying themselves in different ways as yeah. civilization evolves. So in some sense, it makes me think like maybe we shouldn't worry as much as we are. And you should worry because in the sense that it means that we could replay things like world wars. Yeah. But you shouldn't worry in the sense that like, oh, this is the one that just kills all of mankind. It's like they've been saying that every time. Like we always <laughs> think we're about to just yeah. end mankind. So maybe we don't need to go to. But they, that's the thing. There's moments in history where people underreact and there's moments in history where people overreact. And I as a, as somebody who's like kind of a, uh, a consummate moderate, I'm always like trying to watch that. But I'm just it just makes me seesaw back and forth like, oh, I don't know which one I'm supposed to do. <laughs> there was a guy on my flight the other day started his flight with perusing his phone through Breitbart and Drudge Report and then watched the movie Free Solo and took copious notes throughout the movie. For Free Solo? For Free Solo, <laughs> which I only assume he was just like, another thing white guys do. And then he was just like, oh, cool move, white guy. <laughs> and then he ended it by watching a bunch of Fox News. And uh, But I was watching his behavior. I, uh, like, wait, can I just say, so he only took notes on Free Solo. Only took All notes the on- news was just, that's just fun reading. Yeah. But 
the free solo, we got to get this down. And he he didn't really open many articles. He just sort of scoured their front pages. Yeah, so then headlines. I was wondering, like, is this dude a moderate guy who's trying to get a sense? Because I didn't talk with him. I was like, these these little precursor things here don't want me. I don't invite me to like, how's it going? Yeah. But the way he acted with the flight attendant was very like convivial. He's yeah. friendly to her. Uh, so then I thought, what if this dude's just like a middle of the road guy who's never seen these things and thought like, I want to see what they're up to and just decided today's the day yeah. or that's how he lives his life. Like this is all I'm getting into. I don't know. I have no idea. And I, I got a buddy who's, uh, who's pretty left wing and, uh, but he watches like Sean Hannity all the time and stuff. And I don't know, like, he says he finds it entertaining. I can't stand watching that stuff. And I would think it would be even harder for him, but he actually <laughs> enjoys it. So I just sometimes, yeah, I mean, he could just be, you just be checking it out. I mean, I kind of want to know what conservative media is saying, but I just don't really like, but I mean, I don't even like a lot of what liberal media is saying right now. I mean, I don't, it's very, I feel like this has been the hardest time to like really get information. It just feels, and headlines drive me nuts because like I said, there's just so much stuff happening that you really do have to kind of browse to just get a grip on it. But the headlines, I can't tell you how many articles I've clicked on where the headline makes me go like, what the crud? And then I open it. I'm like, oh, that's not what that guy said. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I know if you're just perusing just through because that they want to get the click yeah, out of it, yeah. but then you're like, but I know that most people, yeah, I know that most people are just perusing and I know they're probably not clicking to find out if that's what the person really said. They're just like, did you hear about the thing? <laughs> and then they're just getting mad because yeah. I mean, I start to like, I look at it and I'm like, oh, I'm about to get mad and then I open it up I'm like, oh, I don't need to really get mad yeah. about this. I like when I'm one side or the other of this and obviously you want to be on the side that is going, no, 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 that's not what was said. But because sometimes I'll read the entire article and still have it kind of inaccurate to be like, yeah, so it looks like this blah, 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 blah. And like farmers are going to, and someone will go, no, 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 that, that was, that was taken out of context because what really happened is they voted this way and that only got passed in this small majority. So it still isn't another vote that'll be months or even years away. And you go, glad i know this guy <laughs> but did you did you this was the one that i always brought up that i was really surprised that not a lot of my friends seem to hear about when the green new deal was rolled out and then i think it was alexandria ocasio cortez's office released like what was in it and they sent it to the media and it had in there a guaranteed minimum income paid by the government and i was like why would they put that in there even if they want that, that's gonna really like hurt the party like why would they do that yeah and i mean you know what if you're lizzie if you agree with it or not that's i i personally don't um, but I also just know that it would be political suicide, especially since a Green New Deal, it doesn't have anything to do with climate change. And I'm reading that on like NPR, so I, I have no reason to doubt. It. That's the thing too, like if it's on NPR and it's something that would hurt the left, then I can't imagine it's made up. <laughs> and then the next day, I see one of uh, Cortez's staffers on the Tucker Carlson show and he was confronted about it and he was like, no, that's just right-wing propaganda. You guys released false information to try to hurt us. And I was like, oh, whoa, so twist in the story. <laughs> and then the next day I find out, no, it did come from their office. It was in their private talking points and they didn't mean to release it. Some <laughs> idiot at the office accidentally sent it to the press and put it on the website and then they took it down, but then it was too late. So they had to admit it. And it just didn't get in the bill because obviously there were more moderate Democrats weren't going to go for something like that. Yeah. And I, and you know, and here, for all I know, there's been another update since then that I don't know about, but it was just like day after day that the story kept evolving and it's just like one of the, and then when I mentioned that to friends, they're just like, I never even heard anything about that. I mean, like, that's a big story. <laughs> you always wait to, I mean, I, I'm sorry to like, just kind of go into interviewer mode, but, uh, cause I don't have a lot to add onto that other than like, I, it made me think that 
you'll like kind of be quiet and sit quietly for a while but then you and i always feel fortunate to get like one of these emails that i feel like you only send to people who are like well this person is someone i can talk to that is civil and like open-minded and i mean and i i, I think i actually send it to even people i don't have necessarily civil conversation oh, it's really? usually it's well there's two reasons i do it one is and actually it, it's something i kind of did on my own but i just heard a historian hw brands say that he tells his kids in in class that they should keep a diary because those things will be very useful to historians later on like if somebody kept a diary during the great depression or mm-hmm. during world war ii those things are gold mines for historians and it's sort of something like that for me because i do care about these errors like i, I did that during the iraq war ii the whole email thing mm-hmm. and you know a lot of my friends can tell you like yeah we got sick of hearing that crap <laughs> but it's like it's it's honestly a lot for me because it's sort of like i want to keep notes and keep it and i don't keep like a journal journal yeah but i kind of like writing these emails so it's a way of kind of keeping a journal and putting my notes together and then i sending it an email it's archived the thing i like the most about it is that like even this in a conversation where something will come up that is first thought like first time oh you know maybe it doesn't happen at all you're like all these talking points i've I've thought about game of thrones i've written about it (laughs) but overall like for the most part i've thought about these things which i think is very worthwhile we're watching news where people are put on the spot with things where like if they don't have a rehearsed thing they just get nervous and like try to go into some sort of um safe mode about it whereas oh sorry um But when you write it out in an email, it's like you've taken time to like concisely organize your yeah, thoughts miss, and like contrast miss, it with stuff. I miss and, like the pamphlet wars of the founding fathers era where they, you know, <laughs> were like, uh, what was it? What was, God, I'm forgetting the names. It's hard to remember all these names now. I'm getting to the point where it's too much, but uh, Alexander Hamilton and there was like a, a, a priest who was loyalist and they had like this whole back and forth. I'm trying to, I keep wanting to say it was Seabiscuit, but I don't think that was his pen name. <laughs> but like, yeah, those pamphlet wars were like, you had to sit there and you had to think about it and you had to fine tune your thoughts. Whereas when you get on these panel cable news panels, it's just, it gets really yelly. And also if somebody's coming at you, you get kind of flustered and then you sometimes say stuff that you don't even really mean. You're just mad at them. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you become contrary and just because the other person's making you like upset and you, you later think about it and you're like, I could have made that point a lot clearer. And if you've been writing about to each other about it, you would have made it more clear. Yeah. And, and I even think the, the, um, what is the access to like longer form communication back telegram days, you know, like you'd yeah. be like, think about the war. Stop. Send. And then the person <laughs> would get that and nod their head. And it's pretty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, what's funny. I was just, the, during the Wilson administration when they were trying to promote the World War, the effort in World War One. Once we got into it, they had these guys called the Four Minute Men, mm-hmm. and they would go around and give these four minute speeches. And they said that that's because they assumed that was the average attention span of a person. <laughs> so it's like, oh, so we've always been like this. We need 120 characters yeah. or less to to actually get the <laughs> message across. Like I, I'm now thinking those like Hamilton pamphlets. How many people actually read them? Like I'm sitting there saying like these are wonderful and they're just such a great resource. But there's probably like just a bunch of dudes who's like, give me the gist of it. Um, I hate those loyalists. It had to, probably the artist, the person that captured like the sentiment and like, here's what I want to be saying. And then it just showed them all buff with like their hand in the air. It said the priest is a punk and everyone's like, just yeah. read the cover. Like I read the whole pamphlet. Did yeah. you get to the part where he said that? Yeah, I saw the picture. He's my guy's buff and cool. <laughs> I saw the picture that priest is an idiot. Yeah, I think that's probably because I mean, it's the same way today. Like I have friends and we'll talk about just like, oh, that interesting article and stuff. But like, 
how many average people actually read those articles? Like yeah. maybe just me and a couple other people, and we sit around and think that our ideas matter when we don't really, <laughs> you know. And I mean, but that's uh, that goes to the second part. I was going to say why I write the emails is just to try to promote conversations. So I send them to like everybody, even some people that aren't necessarily like talk about politics a lot. And it's usually every time I do it, I get a different response. Like some people respond to me like all the time, and we always have good dialogue. Then there's some people who like I don't really hear from, and then all of a sudden they decide like I want to join in on this one. Mm-hmm. And then there's some people who joined in with me on the last one, but, you know, start to bow out. And it just, it goes back and forth. It changes all the time. But it's almost like me taking my own Gallup poll just with the people I know. I, oh, I, I think it's valuable for me as like, if you're a moderate who engages people all the time, I feel like an alien just living among humanity a lot of the time. Like, I, Yeah, I well, that's like, the other reason, too. I, I, I'm so isolated these days that I feel like you got to like hear what other people have to say. Or you're going <laughs> to turn into a freaking weirdo. Yeah, that's true. I mean, getting out and traveling or like doing shows here and there, you get a sense of like, at least the yeah, United I miss States. That about. And then, yeah, doing like doing stand up is the best way to, which I just think is so funny that crowds will go, hey, keep your politics to yourself, whether that's to bands or whoever. Like, you don't want someone talking who has seen all the communities who's been around and like interacted with a variety that you don't want to just hear maybe one of their thoughts. Yeah. Hell no. Yeah. And I'm not going to stop liking somebody's music if I don't like their politics and I like it if they want to oh, engage me. Oh, I definitely me. would. If I liked Kid Rock, I would, or Ted Nugent, fuck them. I, I, <laughs> I hate, I just think they're idiots. <laughs> well, I do too. Uh, well, Kid Rock's pretty, he rocks. I mean, <laughs> He's so a child who rocks. He's good at <laughs> He's it. He's a rockin' child. That's his new name, rockin' child. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I was going to say about yours is that like more often than not, I get the the sense that I wish more people had where like you pepper it in and like contrast it with historical accounts and like similarities to like, here's what's happened in the past. And like, he, here's how this shades or influences this current situation. And it's so well researched and well thought out that I read it and go, well, I'm going to try to implement this if I'm interacting with someone but i certainly don't have a lot to add as opposed uh, uh, in the line of like you know what you forgot and i wish more i wish we respected that more like you're saying like on the news when someone is presented with a some sort of fact and or um yeah like i i I, point that they can't sorry to interrupt you but like no no no, something that they can't in the moment react to they never go damn that's a good point uh, see and i pride myself in doing that like i will get into a heated argument with somebody and just be like oh you don't know what you're talking about this boom boom and we'd be like going back and forth and if they suddenly hit me with something that really makes sense i'll be like "Ooh, good point <laughs> you win we need so much more of that I mean, I mean realistically is that when you're talking about like this is all like game of thrones style very slowly working toward a conflict or in the pre, you know, the Civil War is an easy one to trace back because you're like, yeah, and it took a long time. So, so long. that's the thing too with like this idea of like, you know, I have a hard time wondering how this ends without conflict. It doesn't mean I think Civil War is like right around the corner. It just means that we might have started on a path that in like 30 years, because that's, I mean, it took, I mean, I mean, you could go back to like the founding, but I would say like at least around 1820 or so it starts up and they keep having to do all these compromises and compromises and putting it off. Yeah. And then it just like, I don't know, but it, but if you look, if you boil that down to what, and some people would even argue it, it never really fully. And I think this is f- just for the record, entirely inaccurate, but they, and maybe this is revisionist to go, Oh, it wasn't about abolitionists and, and pe- people who were pro slavery. It was states' rights, and it was this, and the government. I think, it's, yeah, I think it's like everything, though. That's the thing, because and it's the same thing when I'm reading about like the Great Depression. There's the monetarists who think like the Fed policy is what caused the Great Depression, and then there's like the credit uh, theory that I think Bernanke was big on, and um, and then there's like um, 
See, I mean, it's just like there's so many theories I've heard about. I can't even remember all the names of them. But there's all these like different pieces. Uh, the gold standard is one that most economists agree on because it dragged all the other countries in with each other. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting because apparently, like every country that left the gold standard earlier there's a direct correlation between when they started to recover when they left the gold standard so the ones that stayed on it the longest had the worst time uh. and uh and it's because the deflation your deflation drags the other countries down and they drag you down because your your currencies are all connected so once yeah. you deconnect your currencies you can start recovering but it's like all those different theories and in everybody and this is a problem i think with academics is the well, it's a problem with everything because it's about getting your career ahead so it forces you to try to pretend that you are the one that found the holy grail because <laughs> if you don't then your work means nothing right what are you going to try to publish this was written 20 years ago but i'm gonna jazz it up with modern language yeah like the, the example i always used was the snowden story because i personally you know and i i came in to be a linguist so a lot of my friends were in the uh, in the nsa as like cryptological linguists and um, I'm so I'm a little more sympathetic to that kind of stuff. But like when I first read the Snowden reports and I was like, OK, what kind of things did it uncover? And I was like, honestly, I'm kind of surprised this is all they can do. And I was like, <laughs> and, and none of this stuff really bothers me all that much. But in my mind, it's like, well, if you're you're Glenn Greenwald or one of these reporters that got a hold of this treasure trove of information, you can't you have to play it up. Because, I mean, if you think about it, if you put this out there and say, like, well, there's a lot of nuance to this and it's not maybe as big a deal as you think and none of this, then people be like, so why am I supposed to get worked up over this? Or why yeah. am I supposed to think you're this amazing journalist for a story that's only so, sort of riling me up? You have you to make it big. Otherwise, your story's not big and you're not going to get it in the, up the next rung. Has of the ladder. it always been that? I mean, didn't oh, shit, journalists sorry. before, was there ever a time where it was just like, I'm just this quiet person i just print the news so-and-so sold a horse i printed yeah, that no, no. I, I mean it, it's always I mean, been there's the always clickbait sort of mentality well, yeah 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 i'm that's what i'm saying is like i think careerism plays a bigger role in a lot of this stuff than i like i mean people have written about that as far as like the nazis there's a lot of people who are just careerists who are like oh this is the new order and i want to get in on the ground floor you know if you've got like a new up-and-coming company like if trump's the new president and he's willing to give you a job in the White House, you're going to be like, okay, I'll take that, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's that kind of a thing. And so I think, I don't know, like in academia, they all, like all those different theories that people, that economists came up with, I feel like, well, these all make sense. They're probably all part of it. You know, there's well, no reason to say that one's one's got to be the thing that really did it and this other thing, no. It's like, why couldn't they have all been a part of it? To not give anything away, but to give you some context, if you don't watch Game of Thrones, you've probably seen at least a banner or something. You know, there's like wolves and dragons and there's there's like four signs. You have these four families, basically, but only one throne they're all kind of clamoring for. So that in itself leads to like a conflict that's slowly brewing, but always moving toward a final like catastrophe. To give that context for where we are currently, if you're saying like the Great Depression, people look like, oh, the stock market on one day crashed. Like, well, it was years leading up to that, why it happened. And then, yeah. and then it, the stock market isn't actually the Great Depression. It's just like, you know. The, that was a big day. It was a big day. But yeah, like the Depression is what happened after it. And it sounds like, at least to my mind, I'm trying to synthesize all this information. But it sounds like, yeah, if, if you had kind of modern policies, we probably could have stopped it. Which I, you know, and that's why I think. Like and they, if the topsoil hadn't all blown away in the dust bowl. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, agriculture was a big... It's interesting because, like, I like the parallels of the cycles because I look at the second industrial revolution and it's like before that, agrarian economy was dominant. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden this manufacturing economy comes dominant and the agrarians are getting left in the dust. And the agrarians were kind of the first populists who I think really kind of like promoted towards things like the New Deal. And they are actually the first ones to jump on the Nazi party bandwagon. Even though they were supposed to be a workers party, they actually got the agrarians first. Really? And then the workers kind of came second. 
and um i think that's just because of the the sort of social traditionalism that that groups like that promote i think that really appeals to them plus they're also just hurting so anybody who's hurting is more likely i think to turn to that stuff yeah but it's like i think you know today you're having a sort of the next phase which is manufacturing was the dominant industry now it's being left in the dust and technology is taking over and so you're having the same kind of thing where they're just like now the manufacturing job workers are the ones becoming the populists and trying to like you know grapple onto something they think is going to save them I don't know if you have the resources or the <clears throat> background to answer this, but in that line, to look at manufacturing and how we were just going crazy, World War II and the steel, and you know, when people think of make it great, they one ignore race relations to a large degree. Two, they feel like that was the golden period because like we were everyone could have a job and things were happy and look at Joe and da 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 da, and. That to them was the greatest period because it was like the the national economy was doing great, things were booming. So then to look at it, from well, yeah, because there was a war. <laughs> but that's like, I mean, there was a high. It was kind of a trade off, though, because I mean, the depression didn't end until the war. So you, yeah. you basically you had just the most miserable of times until you had the worst war in human history. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, that was good times. Well, I want so you. Earlier mentioned when we first talked about doing this again that you wanted to focus on World War Two. So I think part two will get real into World War Two. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I kind of. Well, I would say I like World War Two comparing it with today too, because in in a way, because I think it makes it easier and more palatable. Plus, I also think it's really interesting if you look at the differences Mm -hmm. as well as the similarities. Because I, I at one point said like my knowledge of it is that there's this book that I think I was referencing called An Empire of Wealth that kind of just talks about. The United States from a standpoint of how we cheated at many things, you know, textiles and, you know, we went over and this like reverse engineered all the things that China's been doing the last 20 years to us and undercutting us. We were doing, we were employing children. We were like reverse engineering. Yeah. I think it's a people. That's the one thing I, I don't like that. It always becomes like, this is a thing Americans do because we're the king of the hill. So everybody tries to take us down. It's like, this is the thing people do. Humans do. Yeah. yeah. It's a very, and then we try to pass like global legislation to be like, you got to play fair. Like not everyone's going to, we did it nah. luckily within ourselves. Like stop employing eight year olds that we, we can all agree. That's a bad move, right? Like, all right, fine. But, well, uh, I think, yeah. I mean, I think the economic war is kind of mirroring the league of nations war where you, you had like, so the peace pact was, was started in 1928 and that was supposed to be the pact that ends war it outlawed war for the first time. Cause before that war is perfectly legal just to do it just because you want to get your stuff back. Mm-hmm. Like that was the thing. Like if a country owed you money, you had the right to go to war with them. And everybody was like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> if you, and when you go to war, you're allowed to just murder people yeah. and take your, take their shit and it's your shit now. And people are like, yeah, that's legal. That's, that's, it. We that's the you. law. The law is the law. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, it was a, a totally rethinking after World War One of how we were going to reorganize things. So you have the Peace Pact and then you have the League of Nations, but the League of Nations has no uh, enforcement mechanism. And that became the problem. So when Japan goes into Manchuria, it's like, well, what, what do we do? We just, we're going to be like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like that from afar. And then Japan was like, we're leaving. And they're like, can they do that? <laughs> and the same thing with Italy when they went into Ethiopia. And I don't know any of this stuff, by the way. But that's like, I mean, that's the problem of that era was like, well, we've, we've decided as a civilization, we want to kind of change the rules. But then there's these guys who are like, we don't. So we're going to keep doing it. And let's see you try to stop us. Yeah. And so that's, I think, a sort of similar thing that's going on with like what China's doing in particular. But I mean, Russia's doing it too, where it's like, okay, well, as a civilization, we want to kind of change the rules. And then there's you guys are cheating the system just for your own betterment. And we're like, yeah, we are. <laughs> Cool, you know, I could try, try something. <laughs> 
Well, so the the question I was going to ask that I thought you might it might be a little out of your realm is in line with like industrial things, manufacturing, like big industry, big tenants of what upholds the country and keeps our GDP up, et cetera. And like we we need them. So when manufacturing gets undercut elsewhere and jobs deplete and like we're not looking great, farming has become such a big, huge business for like feeding agriculture fueling cars like the amount of things that corn especially is used for is relatively safe in that regard we're like we make so many things that like even if people just all one day decided like i'm not eating any more corn or corn syrup we'd still probably be okay but the other side of that the more sort of agrarian side of farmers markets people do it on a low scale where they can tell you what went into the soil if we suddenly saw that make a rampant rise where people were just sick of trusting big food companies and just too many mm. things with like childhood obesity and or cancers or whatever else. And that depleted because already like giant farms get a lot of subsidies and help from the yeah. government because we need that to keep our country. Well, it's, also, it's also and this is like a conservative argument, but I think it's fairly valid is that once this thing, once those things start, you can't really get rid of them. And uh, like I remember Bob Dole in an oral history talking about that, where he's because he's from Kansas, and it's the thing like in the New Deal era, they started giving a lot of subsidies to agriculture, and then it became a thing where when agriculture was back on its feet, it was like, well, you're not going to take our stuff away. Like we've gotten used <laughs> to this now, we kind of rely on it, so yeah. we can't take it away. And they were like, well, shit. So I mean, once you implement it, it's like it's just there forever. Yeah. It's the same thing with like Social Security. They've been talking about how it's broken and gonna go insolvent one day and this has been since like the 80s probably sooner that they've been like yeah we gotta fix this yeah we'll let the next guys do it <laughs> and so i don't i don't know i mean i i worry a lot about uh climate change in regards to creating because because i remember like you know obviously when trump first comes to power there's like the easy comparison to like the rise of fascism of mussolini or something like that and so I really stop and think about it like, yeah, well, well what are this? Like, how could it be similar? And could this be like World War III? And I'm like, I don't really, because I feel like the people who could predict World War II could see it pretty early. And there was an obvious reason to see it. Like, I, th I think it was pretty obvious to see that Hitler wanted to start a war. And I mean, he wrote a book that told everyone <laughs> what he was going to do. Uh -huh. And I don't know why that didn't clue more people in. <laughs> Like only a few people, are like you know, it's in his book, right? And they're like, yeah, whatever. Like if the if it was the a art pamphlet, of, yeah, if it's the, not on the cover. If the art of the deal said we're going to put put Muslims in concentration camps, and it was like he's not going to do that. It's like he wrote about it in the eighties. <laughs> that was even before we hated Muslims. And so I, I don't see anything like that. But climate change makes me worry because I feel like a big part of World War II era is imperialism. To me, that's like the last gasps of imperialism. And I mean, honestly, like I listened to these uh, arguments Hitler gave like before the League of Nations, and uh, I don't like to say Hitler was right, but sometimes he made a good point because he would be like, "You're getting mad at us for wanting dude, to, no, dude, no, 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 listen, listen, this is you're gonna, I'm gonna clear it up, I'm gonna clear it up." <laughs> don't no, you it, come on my show and say Hitler had some good points. <laughs> I just mean from an argument perspective because he was basically saying like, "You're getting mad at us for taking Poland, but Britain has all their colonies, France has all their colonies, and you're saying just because they took them by force before 1919, it was okay, but if I take them now, it's not okay." And I was like, "Ooh, he's kind of throwing your own crap." in their face because you know they didn't decolonize until after world war ii and even that it still took a couple wars for like france sort especially of like what we do dropping atomic bombs and they go okay 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 no more of that hey everyone no more of that yeah and we're kind of the police or hey north korea what are you thinking doing nuclear stuff not on our watch iran what are you doing not on our you know, like i i think in some ways trump can be a good chance to take stock of yourselves because there's some times where 
I'm like, I'm like, how dare like Trump, you know, just blatantly lie about things. But then I like even politicians I like sometimes blatantly lie about things in order Not to get to stuff. Level, though. But it's more just this decorum, though, because I mean, like even LBJ, I'm like, what's it really the difference between LBJ and Trump? It's like, well, LBJ just comported himself in front of the cameras better. But like, I mean, he flat out lied about everything about Vietnam. And that was to get us into a freaking war. Yeah. And it's like, well, but he was good on civil rights. So I guess we let that one go. I'm like, yeah, we probably should hold him accountable for Vietnam. That's pretty bad stuff. And, you know, when we talk about Hitler's behavior with women, I've read stories like there was one story we read in class about how he he liked to flaunt his affairs in front of his wife like she was in the back seat and he's grabbing the leg of this girl he's in the front seat that he's driving like while his wife is trying to like look away and pretend it's not happening and i'm just like oh that's gross kind of like guy trump went to uh, the ski resort with marla maples mm. you heard that story like yeah. the, so the documentary of him it's a four-part thing on netflix is really fascinating yeah that's when he's like calling into radio stations pretend to pretend to be a guy named i think John. oh yeah, yeah i heard about that you know like oh it's totally inaccurate he's just such a bizarre character like and yeah maybe going back through the history of all leaders that weren't chronicled and like didn't have twitter and didn't have a reporter there every day maybe they the same level of lying but well still. i mean i still think the decorum thing matters but i'm just saying like if i look at the heart of the behavior and some of the malfeasance i'm kind of like ah, we've kind of let a lot of them get away with this but maybe this is a good chance for us to like in a way it's sort of like as hitler was sort of a reflection of what that old world order was really like when you pulled back the veneer mm-hmm. it's like oh yeah this is awful like just subjugating peoples by colonizing them yeah this is where that leads you so maybe we shouldn't do that anymore and and world war ii kind of is the catalyst for decolonization and so like maybe in some ways trump is kind of like gonna show a mirror up to us like hey yeah maybe we we shouldn't let some of these things slide anymore like maybe we should hold people to a higher standard well i was i was just gonna ask you and i wonder if that's what you're saying that like we we make the concession oh they've always been bad guys so what are you gonna do but this you're saying can be an inflection point where we start saying like yeah we have access to look at their whole life prior to deciding that they should be a leader let's actually focus on that yeah you're you're talking about the mistake that people who are supporting trump are making which is saying like oh everybody's a piece of crap so we should just have a at least we got a guy who's telling us he's a piece of crap i'm like i don't think that's the right answer i think you should go the other way and say like you know what let's not elect pieces of crap anymore yeah you know because it's if you don't like hillary's dishonesty and i don't want to get anything because i know people disagree about her but it's like then maybe don't get a guy who's more dishonest or like in your mind equally dishonest because you know obviously they see hillary in a very different way but the Hillary they see in their heads is pretty much like the Trump that they know. And they're just like, yeah, but it's okay when he does it because he's doing it for me. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, maybe, you know, just don't elect any of them if they're if you think they're dishonest. Maybe find somebody who's honest or don't elect them. We'll tell you what, let's take a little break and then get into talking a little bit about that more, like who to vote for potentially. And then sweet ass world war two <laughs> and I've, I've kind of tempted the, I've, I've i've touched on this idea a little bit of like um the the game of thrones characters building toward a war and all these facets that they represent and i want to get into that a little more too as as far as like uh world war three so take a quick break we'll come back for part two uh we get into it we get further and finally get to the uh the world war ii stuff sorry to keep uh um teasing that so to speak anyway i hope you liked that so far and uh, i don't i made a note here to mention something about like he made an offhanded comment that i'm was certainly obviously for both of us in jest about like oh this was back before we disliked muslims which which didn't mean like 
us personally. I don't know why I would feel like, I don't really know who the audience is. So I just feel like the world at large is overreactive a lot of times. And then it, it, someone could hear that and be like, these guys sound like Muslims. That couldn't be further from the the case. So um, he was saying it in jest of like, this the the outlook lately from a from a standpoint of like trying to shut down the borders and all these terrible things that's what he meant that uh post 911 it seems like your standard sort of like not in my country kind of dude has this uh well I don't trust muslims that's what he was referencing i don't know why i felt like i needed to mention that but um just to just to clarify for whatever reason that w- that was Seeming that it was insensitive or something like that. That that was the context of that. Um, okay. I mentioned the junk show. I mentioned uh, stand-up shows. If you haven't heard any of my stand-up, you can check it out on Pandora and Spotify. I have several albums available online. I've been doing it for a long time. I have a, a new chunk of material to finally get recorded later this year. So there'll be some more out there in the world. And... Um, uh, thanks to those of you who support the show on Patreon. It makes a huge difference. The show's put together by me uh, with no audio engineer or anything like that. And Dan Pritchard, who compiles it from the goodness of his heart down under in Australia. And um, he's just the greatest. So if we could maybe um, ramp up the Patreon a little bit, we can finally start sending some funds his way. But it does help with music downloads and beer and uh, web hosting and all the tech stuff and different things like that i there are shirts you can get online if you don't maybe want to be a monthly subscriber 50 cents a week or so can get you access to bonus episodes and things like that but if you'd rather not be locked into yet another subscription service you can get uh um, screen printed t-shirts and totes and things like that posters there's i don't i don't know why more people don't have the the cave poster i like it i recently went to um emily rose's parents house and they have one framed in there it looks pretty cool I like it. And that's weird to say because I made it, but <laughs> I like it. Uh, okay. Let Dan, cue it up. This is a song by Sam Fender. I feel like it ties in with what we were talking about. And um, maybe a little too dark or depressing. I don't know. I don't think so. But um, maybe it's a negative outlook. Dan, don't cue it up yet. I was joshing. Let's get it ready to get queued up. <laughs> I'll trust you. You queued up whenever you're ready. Anyway, if you listen to the lyrics of this song, I feel like they go in line a little bit with what we were talking about. Come back for part two. We'll continue this conversation with Eric Krug. Um, okay, this is Hypersonic Missiles by Sam Fender. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for stopping by the Space Cave. Dutch kids have balloons in the parking lot The golden arches illuminate the business park I eat myself to death, feed the corporate machine I watch the movies, recite every line and scene God bless America and all of its allies I'm not the first to live with wool over my eyes I am so blissfully unaware of everything Kids and guys are a bond and I'm just out of it Look, tensions out the world are rising higher We're probably due another war with all desire I'm not smart enough to change a thing I have no answers, only questions, don't you ask a thing?
dancing for the life of you and me. Put up a 